This is an RNZ podcast. Who wields the power? Well, that's the question on the front page of this weekend's edition of the Wellington paper, The Post, which published a ranking of the 50 most powerful people in and around the capital. And coming in at number seven was the city's mayor, Tori Fano, though The Post said that her status was in jeopardy. And that's because she'd admitted to a drinking problem this week, following what The Post described as weeks of torrid rumours about her behaviour. And just two days earlier, her behaviour out on one recent night led The Post's front page as well. That story said that Tori Fano was, in The Post's words, again forced to defend allegations of drunken behaviour in public after what The Post understood was an incident that took place at a central Wellington bar two weekends ago and rumoured to have been recorded by a third party. And rumour was a key part of the story because while the where and the when was clear in the post story, those who read to the end of it were still left wondering what had happened that day and who knew about it and who might have recorded or even seen the evidence of it. In her statement, Tori Fano said it was to her great embarrassment and shame that an incident of her, drunk in public, seemed to have been recorded. But the Post said that the co-owner of the Havana bar was perplexed because he was there and he said there were no problems that night and the mayor and her friends weren't intoxicated. Well, the front page of the Post on Thursday may not have been a surprise to RNZ listeners who heard Checkpoint host Lisa Owen the day before. Tori Farno has admitted to more drunken antics in a central city bar. She has confirmed to RNZ that she has a drinking problem after multiple council sources, including supporters of the mayor, told RNZ about footage showing her in an intoxicated state. But Tori Whanau's statement, seen in full by MediaWatch, doesn't acknowledge any drunken antics, and Checkpoint reporter Nick James chose his words very carefully after that. Several sources have confirmed the mayor was at a popular Cuba Street establishment on Saturday afternoon uh, two weeks ago with friends uh, having a a rowdy time and that this has uh, apparently been captured on video. And Nick James went on to say this on Checkpoint. RNZ has spoken to several councillors. Most had uh, had heard the story and knew about the video in circulation, although they all denied having seen the footage themselves. RNZ's subsequent online news story said it had put the allegations to Torifano's office after it learned of footage circulating. But RNZ and other media picking up the story have yet to confirm the existence of that footage, let alone what it might show, which may or may not be newsworthy. On News Talk ZB's Wellington Morning Show the next day, the local host Nick Mills made heavy use of the word apparently. Apparently there's a video floating around or about to float around with Wellington Mayor at a bar and apparently it's not good viewing. So let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right into it. Tori Fano, Wellington Mayor, is again forced to defend herself against drunken behaviour at a Wellington bar. It happened apparently two weeks ago. Meanwhile, for TBNZ News that night, reporter Anna White summed it all up this way. Details of the incident at Havana two weeks ago are unclear, but Fano says she was drunk and, to her shame, seems to have been recorded. One of the bar's owners there that night says the mayor was just having a good night. I just really do not like the fact that people can't go out, no matter what your status is, and just have a good time. 
and lies have been told about you that you were absolutely out of control in a bar when clearly we were all here and we did not witness that at all. Now, after RNZ broke the story, the spin-off's Wellington editor, Joel McManus, called every Wellington city councillor about it and other sources, but said he found absolutely no evidence that any footage exists. And while many social media accounts also claimed a video was out there, and some said it showed something much more scandalous than just drinking late in a bar, Joel McManus said every social media account posting on the subject seemed to have heard it was circulating on a different platform. Now on his online platform, The Platform, on Thursday, host Sean Plunkett did air a lurid account of what some people had said and that was in a run-up to an interview with the Wellington City Councillor Nicola Young, who's urged the Mayor to resign. And look, I'm going to be frank with you, I haven't seen this video. God, I've heard so many people last night who have. I, I need to ask, have you? Um, I have not. I have spoken to people, or people have rung me about it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, series of events as I described them, would that be what you have heard? Councillor Young subsequently told the spin-off that she believed the video footage did exist because, she said, one who has seen it is a very respectable Wellingtonian. But the spin-off got no response when it asked who that might be. And when asked for a comment this weekend, Councillor Young told The Post, I think I've said my piece, I'm not on a witch hunt. Well, Sean Plunkett told Platform listeners on Friday it was really only Torifano's own statement to RNZ which piqued his interest in the first place. And I didn't raise it, and I didn't say there was a video. She said there was a video. Um, and I haven't seen the video yet, and I haven't found anyone who said there is the video. And to be honest, I've got way better things to do with my journalistic time. But as we heard earlier, in Tori Fano's only public comment on this so far, she's only said that she seems to have been recorded that night. Though, of course, Tori Fano has also had ample opportunity to answer the media's questions about what happened that night, which she has so far declined. Now, Tori Fano is, of course, far from the first mayor whose after-hours behaviour has hit the headlines in a damaging way. Back in 2010, for example, Sunday Star Times revelations led to calls for the resignation of Andrew Williams as the mayor of North Shore. And 10 years ago, Mayor Len Brown's affair became long-running headline fodder when political opponents used it to discredit him during his re-election campaign. But that affair was confirmed by the other party to it at the time, and Andrew Williams admitted to his behaviour on the North Shore that was reported back in 2010. But while Tori Fano has said she was drunk in public on the 18th of November, no one has put on the record anything other than the rumours about any alleged antics more than two weeks after they're alleged to have happened. And, as we heard, the bar owner, who's the only witness who's on the record, has said he saw nothing like what's been reported so far. So what then are the risks of running rumours in the news? For years, several scurrilous rumours about Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's partner Clark Gayford circulated widely online and in gossip. And in 2018, TVNZ inquiries to police about them prompted an extraordinary statement from the police commissioner saying that it was untrue that the Prime Minister's partner was, or ever had been, under investigation for anything. And several newsrooms got a lawyer's letter after that, reminding them that the rumours were highly defamatory. In 2021, Today FM's new Tova show knew it was flirting with danger a little bit when it did a satirical song about the rumours. <laughs> <laughs> we've addressed every single rumour that we've heard. 
And can I say it's all a parody, which means none of it's true. Yeah. Yay. 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 And it also Allegedly. means you can't do us for defamation. Yay. Allegedly. And in August last year, Clark Gayford received the payment and an apology from NZME Radio after a podcast aired what it called damaging and untrue comments based on rumours about Mr Gayford that were baseless lies. Now, Tori Fano's case is a bit different. A Friday night with a friend became national news four months ago. After that, she said she was tipsy and she said she'd change the way that she socialised in public in Wellington in the future. And this week, Tori Fano has, in her own words, admitted to an alcohol problem, prompting stories and commentary in the media about whether she's really fit for the job of mayor. But while a public figure's performance in a public role and how a public figure behaves in a public place are all legitimate matters of public interest, are the news media running a risk here reporting the existence of what the Post called torrid rumours without any solid evidence yet that they're actually true? Nicole Morham is a law professor at Victoria University in Wellington and also an editor of the Oxford University press book The Law of Privacy and the Media. All public figures retain some degree of privacy in, in what they do in their, their private time. There are there are a few factors here, though, which I think probably put this on the side of the line where you'd say there was a public interest which overrode it. The first one which you've already alluded to is it's in a public place, and, and when you're in a public place, your reasonable expectation of privacy is likely to be diminished. And then when it comes to the public interest, I think this falls into a couple of categories which have been pretty clearly recognised. The first one is the incident raised questions about someone's fitness for public office. And the the courts have recognised that lots of times. The second thing that's um, at issue here is the question of her drinking. It was put into the public domain after the last set of negative publicity. She said that she was moving on from that. And so I think that the the second uh, factor that would be at play here would be has she put that now into the public um, domain herself by claiming that she's changed her ways. The decisions that we've had um, would say that this probably falls on the other side of the line. Mainstream media have been careful not to publish the details of what's said to be, you know, the so-called torrid rumours. Torrid was the word used by the Post. So are they then on safe ground, given that they have asked questions about a supposed video, but then no details of something they can't themselves substantiate? So they've got two defences that they can use. One would be truth. That, that whatever they're saying is true, and the other one would be that there was responsible journalism in the public interest. What's quite interesting about the story is when you look at the RNZ story and some, and some of the other early ones is that they don't actually say exactly what it is that they're alleging. So in terms of what's the sting of the article, it seems to be that there was some discreditable behaviour at some point in some unnamed place. So that they're so unspecific about the, the nature of the allegation that I think that proving that they have been responsible in making it is probably going to be um, relatively easy for them because they haven't said anything in particular. So that's the... um, And then the question would be, well, you know, were you responsible in communicating in that? At which point I imagine that they'll say, well, we we gave the mayor an opportunity to comment, to to refute any allegation, and rather than refute it, she actually confirmed it. And at that point, um, you probably say that there was enough to... uh, to be on safe ground and publishing the fact that there was some discreditable conduct, which seemed to be all that was said. So I feel like the story's played out in a slightly odd way. But yes, the mayor made a statement in response to being asked these questions, which did refer to an incident on that night and admitting being drunk at the time. Even if they haven't seen this video, I don't really know that she did something truly newsworthy on that night or not. The mayor saying that, well, that's a green light. Was this of the public interest and were they responsible? 
I think probably that that threshold's been crossed, partly because they were unspecific in the way that they reported it, and um, the mayor conf- confirmed that that had, had taken place. So I, I think probably, if you're asking that question, then probably that's enough, unless there's some reason why they should have thought that this was particularly unreliable or there was the person who brought the allegation had a clear grudge to bear. Um, It seems that they probably have done enough. Well, many people, including councillors, who have talked about this, they've said they've heard about a video and they've heard about lurid conduct, if I could call it that, by the mayor, which this video may have in it. Um, But anyone who actually airs those claims of what was done, that's not true or, or cannot be proven. Are they at risk of a defamation claim? I would have thought so. If you repeat an allegation which has been made... The fact that you were not the first one to make the allegation is not a defence. So there's a thing called the repetition rule of if I repeat some outrageous allegation about a person which is all over Twitter, if it turns out it's not true and I can't show I was responsible, then I can be sued in defamation um, just like every other person. And isn't your case weaker if you admit that you you haven't seen for yourself the claims that are being made and you don't know necessarily if, if they exist? And, and you're speaking about that on the air. Well, there's, again, the two defences you've got are... Uh, Truth and the other one, or alternatively, you'd be back on this public interest, responsible journalism defence, and then you'd have to say, well, that would depend on what what evidence he had before he made those allegations on air. So if he'd if he'd spoken to somebody and it was a very reliable source, it's but once you start going into that level of detail, then you're you've got a much higher hurdle to clear. It's not that you were just saying, oh, that it sounds like there was some kind of discreditable drunken behaviour. You're saying this is what. Um, I understood happened. You're in much more dangerous territory in terms of the law of defamation, obviously. And and to come back to your original question, the fact that uh, other people have said it first online is is not a defence on its own. If you leave a vacuum the way we have in this instance, or the way that we've seen in this instance, people will go to fill it. And I think that's part of what we've seen in the way that the story's played out, that there are people saying, have um, some of these earlier media um, stories come out when there wasn't enough evidence to back them up. That's one set of um, assumptions. And then there's another set of assumptions which is saying, oh my gosh, the media is protecting her. They're not saying this information which they've clearly got and they're sitting on it in order to protect her reputation. I think that's not a particularly desirable state of affairs. Mm-hmm. Into vacuums, people will make assumptions and then and then you, you end up in this position where the story's being fed and fed about what's going on. And As you mentioned, she's been given opportunities to say what happened, to maybe put something into that vacuum. So for people following the the stories thinking, is there smoke, is there fire? If somebody isn't taking an opportunity to respond, would you say that actually makes the problem worse that you talked about? It puts people in a difficult position if they're asked about something for for good reason don't want to respond. Like dignifying it with a response. Exactly. And then... then You're seeking the denial of everything. Exactly. So you're seeking the denial in order to then justify the story. So I suppose you would have had the option of saying no comment. You know, some people have said, here's someone who's got a health problem and wants to carry on in her job and that's an important job and won't be made any easier if she's not given space. In fact, Tori Whanau appealed to the media for uh, space and understanding. Does that change the picture, the fact that there is, no matter if it's someone who's a public figure who ends up in the middle of a news story, media must take account of that? It's actually quite close to the facts of the leading English decision on this, which has involved Naomi Campbell, who has had a drug addiction problem, and when she or drug addiction, she was seeking treatment at Narcotics Anonymous. And what the court did there was say 
the media was entitled to correct the false impression she had given quite explicitly that she was not involved in any kind of drug taking. But they said there is a limit about how that publicity is done. So I think that being in the glare of um, public disapprobation is a very stressful thing for any any person. And, and the courts have tended to say, have said, you know, that that's, that comes with the job. That's that's a requirement of of being accountable. But there are nonetheless some limits to how that's done. And in, in that particular instance, in the Campbell case, reporting on the details of her narcotics anonymous treatment, sending a reporter to photograph her as she arrives at that at that treatment and left, that was stepping across a line. And in terms of principles where they've landed, is yes, you can report the information, but it's not complete open season, and that you do need to take into account to some degree the vulnerability of the person when you are um, making those editorial decisions. That was Nicole Morham, law professor at Victoria University in Wellington, also an editor of the Oxford University Press book called The Law of Privacy and the Media. And we'll be returning to this story on Media Watch as it develops, as it seems sure to do.